All right, Psalms 39, please. Psalms chapter 39. The Lord led this upon my heart to preach to you. I believe that uh, all of us are guilty of this issue and we don't really pay attention to the way we speak. It's very easy to just naturally talk and we don't pay attention to how we speak or how it appears like to the other person. So you have this problem more than you know. That's what I believe. And the reason why I say you is because I'm thinking about myself too. Psalms chapter 39, we'll read verse 1. I said I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with the bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Verse 9, I was dumb, I opened not my mouth, because thou didst it. Look at verse 12, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears, for I am a stranger with thee, and a sojourner, as all my fathers were. Now in this passage, the psalmist is talking about his frailty and his sinful condition as a human, so that he cannot speak well, and everything that he speaks would be sin, in the eyes of the Lord, because that's how wicked he realizes his condition is, but he wants God to hear his prayer. He wants God to answer him. He, got, he wants God to hear what he says. Now, what I'm going to be pointing out here is that if the psalmist recognized how frail his human condition is, that even with the best intentions, listen up now, you might have best intentions, and you might uh, think that what you're saying is okay, but what happens is then it becomes a used to habit that you don't pay attention to what you say, and then you just let words naturally fall out of your mouth, and it's not until where you watch yourself online, for example, or somebody else tells you, for example, that, hey, the way that you talked actually, you said it this way, this way, this way, and you go, wow, I didn't know I said that. Wow, I didn't mean to say it that way, that hurts you. Wow, I didn't know that I actually cussed because I'm just so used to cussing. See, that's the thing is that a lot of times we're not careful with our tongue. Sometimes we might give a sob story. Sometimes we might be uh, bragging about what we say, etc., etc. A lot of times we don't catch ourselves. And sometimes we might think that we guarded our heart, but we're just, that's just not the case. Why? Because that's how sinful human flesh is. It is so weak that you... This tongue is so evil, you have to be very careful with what you say. You have to be very careful with what you say. So, my title is just two words. Shut up. Let's pray. (laughs) God, my Father, fill within me the power of your Holy Spirit. Wash away my sins with your precious and most holy blood. And I pray that you'll open my mouth and shut up the wrong things within my tongue. And I pray that today's preaching will be a blessing to the hearers. We'll, com- we'll be convicted. We'll change our manner of speech and everything that we say and do to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. There's so many sins of the tongue. Where shall we begin? My first point is a cursing tongue. 
a cursing tongue. I think that should be the most obvious. If there's something that you should fix out of your language, that is cursing. Psalms chapter 109 verse 17 says, As he loved cursing, so let it come unto him. As he delighted not in blessing, so let it be far from him. Now, did you hear that? So if you take delight in cursing and that became a natural habit to you, the Bible says, then let the cursing return to him. I mean, if you're going to say D blank a situation, then no wonder the situation becomes D blank to you. If you, I mean, if you want to burn in hell and you want to say, God, D this, then God just might do it. Like Dr. Ruckman once said, I'm not going to say that. You're stupid. I'm not going to say that. If there's something bad that happens, I might say, Lord, bless it. Lord, bless it. (laughs) But the natural reaction from human flesh is to say, D blank this, God, D blank this. And then you say every S word, F word, A word, B word, C word, Z word, V word, Y word. I know I'm exaggerating, but that's pretty much the language of human language now is that they try to become creative. And that's the thing about this uh, stupid rap music and culture that we live in is that they feel like they have to be more creative to add more cuss word or some kind of new word where they don't care how it appears or it degrades the culture. Why? Because as he loved cursing, the Bible says, then let it come unto him. Better watch your language, especially if you're a Christian. God holds you to your word. Don't you know that? Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof at the day of judgment. So God remembers everything that you say, and He's going to hold you to your word, so you better be careful. When you say that curse word, then He's going to hold you to it. He's going to let it come to pass. You have to watch yourself. Be careful, uh, children, when you say something against uh, your parents and curse. It just might happen, and you, you might be crying over their grave. Careful, parents, how you might curse against your children. It just might happen to them and you might be weeping to your grave. Husband saying to wife and wife saying to spouse, pastor to member, member to the pastor. And be careful of that cursing tongue of yours because God just might bring it to pass. I mean, uh, you ever heard of Christian cussing? Some people never heard of that. So why is there such a thing as Christian cussing? There's such a thing should not exist. Now, I'm not nitpicky. I'm not, I'm not going to make a big deal. But I uh, but personally, myself, I don't do Christian cussing. You might say, what is Christian cussing? Instead of just saying, oh, my G.O.D., you just have to make it sound similar. So then you go G.O.S.H. Think about it. Why do people say that? Because it's close to that curse word that you want to say. Why do you want to say it? Some people will say the word fudge, you know, like the chocolate fudge thing. But there's a reason why they say that. I don't know why they say that, because it's close to the other F word. So uh, why don't I say S-H-O-O-T, you know, like shoot the gun, right? Because it's close to another S word, isn't it? See that? Some people don't really think, and you got to watch yourself, uh, I remember one person, they were surprised and they said, uh, I don't get it. Why do we have to be nitpicky about that? And I explained it to them. Why do you want to say it then? Because it's close to that curse word that you want to say. I mean, why don't people say, oh, my Panasonic? Or, oh, my Mohammed or, oh, my Buddha. That's a name you can take in vain all the time, you know. Oh, Buddha this and oh, Mohammed that and oh, Mohammed, you know. Why, why don't people do that, you know? 
You know why? Because, like you said, no power. You know why? That's an authoritative word, and you, that's what God means. Don't take my name, which has authority, in vain. Got to watch that. That's why I don't believe in doing that. And some of you shouldn't believe in doing that either, if not all of you. You know, cussing does not have to be out of the mouth. It comes in the mind. You know, I hate that, you know. Sometimes uh, the, the thing that catches me in that is that at those moments where I'm totally stressed out, and then especially in driving, that's a bad thing, and then one time it'll slip out of my mouth, and then I catch myself and I say, why did you say that, you know? I remember one of my church members was next to me. I was like, oh, man, I just ruined my testimony. And I said, brother, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean to. And then the brother said, it's, it's okay, pastor. We all have our weaknesses. So uh, thank you, brother Tom. You know, he caught me that time. <laughs> so uh, swearing, you know, you got to be careful with, you know, I swear to do this or I swear to do that. The Bible says swear not on heaven or earth. The book of Matthew. Swearing is pretty close to cursing and cussing. You got to watch that. And then if you don't cuss out of your mouth, it's going to cuss in the mind and you catch yourself doing that. You know what's a good habit? Is a good habit is when you say that, catch yourself and plead the blood of Jesus Christ to me. Just keep doing that as a habit and eventually you're going to catch yourself before you say it. Eventually. Some people, they find it impossible to stop cursing. And I can understand that. It's very difficult. I had one person say the F word several times in the middle of my preaching. In like a good way, not in a bad way. When I was talking about heaven, you know, and the person said this and then, you know, like in a good way. And then some of the members were like, like, (laughs) I had no choice. I just had to keep preaching, you know. Uh, But the thing is, is that people, uh, the, the person later on said, man, that's so hard. How do I not say it? And then the fellow church member said, just don't say anything in the preaching. Just listen then, you know. So, but there are some people in this church who thought it was Hard to curse and cuss. You know who you are, but the Lord transformed you. He stopped you. Why? It just takes a habit. Just when you curse, just plead the blood immediately, okay? Plead the blood, repent. Have people catch you and let you know. Have people catch you and let you know. They'll understand. They'll help you out. A second point is a criticizing tongue. A criticizing tongue. Romans chapter 14 verse 4 says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Now, this is a a big problem amongst Bible-believing Christians, is that we know too much Bible. So because we know too much Bible, it's easy to point out sin, and not just sin, but in any wrong area, right? And because we're so much at a, let's be honest, 90% of this world is evil. All right, can I get an amen on that? Some people might find that hard to believe, and you might be in shell shock hearing that. But, you know, if we're going to be honest, 90% of the world is evil. And if we're going to talk about yourself, even you, 90% of you is evil. If you really understand what kind of thoughts come out in your mind and out of your mouth and how you feel in your heart. I mean, uh, if you count the number of sins per day and count back to the end of one year, two years, three years, then you realize, man, I'm I'm a wretch. So uh, Bible believers understand that and we say amen to that, but that's the danger because we're so used to pointing out what's evil and to critique it and to correct it. It becomes a bad habit that we put that upon others now. And you got to be very careful of that 
criticizing tongue, that critical spirit. Because at Romans 14, it talks about, you know, who are you to judge another man's servant? I mean, that servant belongs to the master God and he'll take care of that person. Because one thing I learned is this, is that even as a pastor, it is very easy to criticize. You might say, why? Because every Sunday I have to criticize. <laughs> if you've been to a sermon that's all about good stuff, then you're not at a right church, okay? You should be at a church service where constantly criticizes. Why? About your sinful condition so you can correct yourself. But that becomes a dangerous thing where then the pastor has a criticizing mentality against a member and then during fellowship and even in the middle of preaching. You might say something that might just hurt a person because you don't really know what that person's going through. Could the person be uh, doing something genuinely wrong? Sure, I can acknowledge that. But the danger with that is that sometimes you don't know what's really going on in that person's life. Is the person wrong not coming to church? Sure, the person might be wrong. Sure, the person might be wrong not coming to soul winning, but maybe there's a reason behind that. The reason why is because maybe the person has to take a one hour and a half drive and is bombarded by six days of work, unlike you, Pastor. Has a family that's messed up and gives stress in the home all the time, and unlike you, Pastor. See that sometimes you have to think about these things. If you uh, that rescued me so many times before saying something wrong to a church member. I can't tell you so much is to have empathy and to understand the person's hurt condition, and that made me more careful with what I say. Amen. With what I say, it made me more careful. But what's worse is this. What's even worse is. The, crit the criticizing mindset that you have and the criticizing word that you say against the person because you see that person wrong in something, what happens is it turns out that the person was not actually wrong. You misunderstood the person. That, hap that happened to me before. You want to rescue me so many times? Just stop, Gene. Don't say anything. Just think and pray and let the Lord show you. And nearly most of the time, the Lord showed me, like, see, this is what went on. I go, thank God I didn't say anything wrong about that person. Amen. If I did, I would have been in big trouble. The whole church would have saw that, too. You got to watch out for that because maybe the person is doing a good thing for the Lord. And then you criticize that person on the good thing the person did for the Lord. Better watch out for that. Better watch out for that one. And you know, it's not just, uh, I'm not just preaching against pastors, you members too, you're really bad on that one. That's why some people leave churches, you know that? Why? That criticizing tongue about member so-and-so and brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, child so-and-so. You better watch out for that one. Sometimes members are worse than the pastors. You better watch out for that one. Because the criticizing tongue, then you hurt somebody and they don't return ever again. And even if the pastor didn't criticize a member and tries to get the member back into church, guess what? They won't come back. You know why? Just because of one member. Yeah, yeah. I mean one member in a group of 100 people. Yeah. Takes one tongue. Watch your criticizing tongue. Hold it to yourself. Don't be overtly critical. And don't whisper amongst each other about shh like that. And don't mock people that embarrass or shame. Don't do that with anybody else, all right? <laughs> the thing is, is that you better be careful with that because you might hurt other people in the church, okay? So watch that criticizing tongue of yours. The third point is a contending tongue. 
a contending tongue. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, it says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. I would like to ask you one question. This might be the most eye-opening thing ever, because it did with me. If you look back in your life, has it been filled with lots of contention? What does contention mean? There's that tension. There's that argument. There's that fight. Whether it be within the church, within the household, within even the world around that we live in. Is there a lot of contention? You better check and see if uh, this is the case. Because the Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. Now, if you're right with the Lord when saying this, then honestly, do you do this? If you do this, then you'll know that you're right when you have to contend against the world. You have to, amen? Sometimes you have to contend against the world. I mean, I'm not going to prove something wicked sins that the world approves of, the government approves of, the school approves of, and yes, even churches approve of. No, no, I'm going to contend to that. But before that contention comes out and those people accuse me of being arrogant, narrow-minded, and prideful, is that a legitimate accusation that they give to me? Well, how do I check myself? How do I check myself is simple. Did I always think about how right I am and how wrong others are? It's that simple. If I think about, man, I know how right I am and how wrong that person is, it's easy to keep arguing. So what do I do when I contend against the wicked world, you know? They have religious beliefs, philosophical beliefs, their own worldviews that conflict mine, and it's anti-scriptural. You know what I do? I don't think about how right I am and how wrong, I, uh, wrong they are. I switch the other way around. Okay, is there anything that I'm wrong on what I said? Is there anything right with what they said? And when I do that, and if I'm scriptural in the Bible, and then I find out, no, it conflicts what's wrong in the scriptures, and my heart and my flesh is right with the Lord when I do this, and when I do that, then if it turns out to be contention, that's their problem, not mine. Amen. But if you have that problem, see, and you don't think about that, then you should check yourself. Amen. Because why? Because if most of your life is contention, you're not right with the Lord. You're not right with the Lord. Witnessing street preaching, sure, there's going to be contention, but would you honestly say that's like practically nearly every moment? Then you have to ask yourself, when's the last time I thought about if I'm wrong about something and the other person was right about something. Think about that in the church, in the home, in, yes, even in this government and this area that we live in. You have to do that. Why? Because that's pride. And you better be careful because when you think about how right you are and how wrong the others are and you constantly think that way, then pretty, uh, what's the closest sin to the devil? It's pride. It's pride. And just like God kicked Satan out of heaven and never used him again, he's going to do the same thing with you if you're not careful. So you better watch out that pride. <coughs> Excuse me. So think about all the fighting that you did. The times where you were rebuking people. Are you mean to some people? Or do people perceive you as to be mean? Do you talk back to the authority that the Lord has put in place in your life? whether it be in the home or in the church. You all look at yourself. And when you look at these things, I wonder if there's pride involved with any of these sins that I mentioned just now. 
What is pride? Thinking about how right I am and how wrong others are. Switch it around. Communication will be way more effective. Trust me with the other party. My fourth point is a carnal tongue. A carnal tongue. Matthew 15, 18, it says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. 1 John 2, 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, the point of these two verses is this, is that basically, if there's something that you love from your heart, it will come out of your mouth. 1 John warns you that if you love uh, don't love the things of the world. So what's my point here? My point is, if there's something in your heart that loves the world, then it's going to come out of your mouth. Now, you better watch out for that. Why? Because that's a carnal tongue. And you better be careful. That's why in this church, you know, you're hardly going to hear about filthy conversation. You're going to hardly hear about filthy jokes where you hear at Comedy Central and the other kind of garbage that you hear on TV nowadays. Dirty jokes. Television, Hollywood, the latest movies, etc. The music albums, you know, what happened to celebrities so-and-so dating with other so-and-so and then divorced twice and thrice and then, you know, uh, oh, I want them to get back together again, etc. The games that you're playing and then you're talking about, guess what, they're going to have a Final Fantasy 103 now version and they're going to have, you know, the latest games, the latest, uh, it's, it's, it's going from 4K to 5K to 666K now. This is just so awesome, and I just want to have that. I mean, uh, uh, the lines, the li- people that throng into the lines, and they just become like real geeks about movies, and then they talk about Star Wars. They just had another tr- trilogy come out, and then, you know, the Game of Thrones, and then, you know, with the cartoons, and the comic shows, and the animes, and then DC comics, and then the Marvel heroes, and this is as worldly as I'm going to get now, you know. So all this kind of stuff, all this worldliness, it shows what? You love the world. It includes even flirting ter- too. Why do you flirt with the opposite sex? Why do you do that? There's something in there that you like. That's why you might think, oh, Christians, they're just too stiff-necked and they're just too weird and too conservative and etc. No, the idea is it's because of the matter of the heart. There's a reason why you said those things. Amen. It's because it comes from something you like in your heart. That's good. I'm not saying, uh, again, there, there's a reasonable limit, obviously. There are... I understand, you know, I'm not saying be a Mormon and then you have to have the right uh, color of the socks that matches with the shoe and the tie. And you can't say anything about something that went on in the world and etc. I mean, you can't say, I mean, I'm not saying deny sports and hockey and you're sinning if you go to an NBA game and stuff like that. No, calm down, okay? All right? Don't, don't be hasty. Don't, you don't have to throw away your PlayStation game, okay? Or whatever latest tech. I don't know what, what's new nowadays, you know? They have a... PlayStation 666 one day, you know. But the thing is, is that uh, all this kind of stuff, I'm not, I'm not being an idiot either, okay? So we're not too strict that you go all monkish mode and you get no, no access into the world. But what I'm talking about here is that do you put a limit? See, you don't put any limit. You just use that as an excuse to whine and cry that, hey, I'm not going to be like an Amish person or some kind of weirdo Mormon. I never said that about you. I'm saying, what's in your heart? Good, 
And then you, and what comes from your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And then God told you, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And things that come from the heart is going to come out of your mouth. Better watch out for that one. My fifth point is a conceited tongue. A conceited tongue. The Bible says, the Lord, Psalms chapter 12, verse 3, the Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Luke chapter 14, verse 11, for whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. What do I mean by a conceited tongue? You better be careful about all the things that you talk about. Me, me, what I did. What I did well. You better watch out for that one. Oh, I can preach well, I can teach well, I can sing well, I can play well, I can talk well, I can draw well, I can do all kinds of spiritual things for the Lord well. We are not interested, bud. Sometimes you got to be careful of that because other people around you, then they're going to say, what does he or she think? And, you know, that makes me feel like that I specialize in me. You got to watch out for that. Sometimes It's so easy, like I told you, in all these tongues that I've talked about to you before, we don't catch ourselves. We don't see that because we're so used to our habit and our way of talking. And you got to catch yourself on that. My good advice is be more aware of what you're saying. Why do you say that? Is there an I included here for a conceited tongue? Then you'll see. I mean, why did you say those things, huh? If it's not to feel good or to to impress other people, got to watch out because every conceited word that just came out, then God's going to recall, okay, the person said this good thing about himself or herself. Check. He or she said this much good things about themselves. Check, 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 check. Well, thinking about the past seven days, a lot of what they said was good things about themselves. So I think... This equals pride. And then I'm going to have to hold that person where he that exalteth himself, see, with those words, exalteth himself shall be what? Abased. I'm going to have to put that person down. I'm going to have to maybe make that person go through mistakes. So the person can be humbled and think, hey, I'm not really good at sports like I thought I was. I'm not really good at preaching or teaching like I thought I was. I'm not that much of a hot shot. Better watch out for that. I'm not as smart as I thought I was. So God's going to put an embarrassing situation where you shame yourself in front of the whole classroom, maybe. Thank you, Lord. That's good. That's good, brother. Amen. That's good. Be careful when you're boasting about your own spiritual accomplishments, when you exaggerate things about yourself. I mean, you're not lying, but it's an exaggeration about some of the things that you do. The only time I do that is, you know, uh, with the woman that God blessed me, all right? That's the only time I do it. I don't do it with other people, you know. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, amen. Amen. Because I just want to impress her, right, or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, the thing is, is that uh, you shouldn't be doing that with anybody, period. (laughs) That should be the point. Amen. You shouldn't be doing that. Because why? Then you just exalt yourself more and the Lord just might put you down just might put you down. So you better watch out for that one. All right, my sixth point is a crooked tongue. A crooked tongue. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 28. A lying tongue. 
those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Now, you know what? Uh, the problem with a lying tongue and a flattering tongue is, is that it's crooked. It's very, very crooked. I do not like a crooked tongue. Uh, I'm infuriated with crooked people. You know how you get crooked people? It's those that just deceive you. And how they deceive you is a lot of times they'll flatter you. Why? Because they want to gain something from you. You know what God promised? He's going to ruin you when you flatter. Hey, pastors, be careful of all that flattery stuff. I know you're trained to do that. People can feel good about themselves and they can come to your church and that you can get something out of them when you mention offering time, don't you? Well, watch out for that attitude. I don't believe in flattery. You know, If I'm going to compliment you, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be very honest about it. All right, I'm going to say, Robert, you can preach really well, and I'm going to be honest about that one. You feel good, brother? All right, so you have to do that. You have to do stuff like that. You have to be very honest. You can't just, you got to be careful of that crooked tongue. I mean, it's just deception, and you just want to gain something off the people. And you know what that is? That is manipulative. That is wrong. I, I really don't like that. I really don't like that. Yeah, uh, God promises ruin and flattery. He promises ruin and flattery. So you know why there's so much ruin in churches and people are saying there's a crisis. People are living our, leaving our churches. Too much flattery. God says there's ruin in flattery. Amen. A flattering, he says right here, a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Amen. That's what he said at the book of Proverbs. You ever wonder why we, you have a ruined government? We can do it. Build back better and etc. etc. God promised ruin. You know why there are ruined relationships? Because there's some guy that's sweet talking you, and then guess what? With that flattery, and then ruins your life later on, and then there's a divorce, and then there's all kinds of family splits, and then that man that you thought was a great guy and flattered me was actually an abusive jerk, actually, at the end. Better watch out for those. Same thing with women as well. trying a man, and then later on, she becomes a witch after that. Why? Manipulative. Ruin relationships, ruin jobs. You know why? Because of all that flattery. And ruin, you know why you have a ruined Christian walk? Because of flattery. Everything that gets ruined in your workplace, to your home, to your very own personal life, is because of that flattering tongue. And you better watch out for that one. Why do you think there are crooked pastors who exist? Crooked business workers who exist? Crooked playboys who exist? Crooked politicians who exist? Crooked Christians who says, Pastor, I'm here for you. I'm going to help you. And then, you know, I'm going to be a faithful servant. And then they backstab the pastor after that. And they whisper and talk to other people. You know why? Crooked people. Flattering mouth. Flattering mouth worketh ruin. Watch out for that. If you have that kind of tongue, you better watch yourself. Don't get me wrong. It's good to encourage people, to compliment people. But a lot of times you have to hold your tongue and ask yourself, man, is this going too much excessively? Watch yourself. Seventh point, a careless tongue. A careless tongue. Proverbs 15.2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Uh, Ephesians 5.4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. These, per, these two out that with a tongue you can't pour out foolish conversation. 
Conversation that's not convenient. That's what my seventh point is, a careless tongue. A lot of times when we talk, we just talk, right? But because of that, a lot of times you don't realize a lot of it could be foolish to the hearer. It could be like, what's the point of what you're saying? Or that's just weird with what you just said. And then you can tell there's a distance with a gap and etc. Sometimes it's best just not to say anything. Amen. Sometimes it's best just not to say anything. I mean, if you're going to laugh about something or have humor or talk about something, let it relate to the context that becomes a blessing to the people. Or they can laugh or have fun with you. But anything that's, that makes it out of sync or that's strange or weird, you better just shut your mouth. Amen. People listen to you when you speak, you know that? And they judge what kind of person you are by what you speak. And when they hear the things that come out of your mouth, they can get a bad impression of you if you're not careful with your speech. So when you constantly joke around all the time, what, what kind of impression people will get towards you? Will this person take seriously the workplace? This person thinks it's funny, but it's not funny. What do you think people will get an impression of you if you mess around at a serious time, right? That's foolish talking. If a person talks a lot, and I mean, it's just a lot, what do you think people will think of you? People who have a loud mouth, like their volume is so loud and they don't realize it themselves, or then the other person just becomes very noisy to them. So uh, me, I was a much louder mouth back then. I know I'm loud now, and it's hard to believe, but I was way louder back then, all right? If you look at my older videos, it's like really, really loud, like... (laughs) It was like a seal barking. I'm like saying, no, just stop, you know. But it's online now for all the world to see. <laughs> but uh, I, that's why I had to learn to lower myself. Like uh, even, uh, you'll, notice, uh, you'll notice even myself like during hymn singing or shouting and stuff like that, I try to make sure it's a good timing. And then I'll try to say the right moments to amen. I mean, I'll be as crazy for some of you who don't know. Some Christians can be so much happy for the Lord that they'll just run around the room, and I'll be doing that kind of stuff too. But, uh, but I've learned when I compare my previous year to now that, hey, you know, uh, I got to be careful with what I say to people so that they don't get a bad impression of me. Right. So then I'm very careful with how I, you know, say amen, praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah, and thank you, Jesus, and woo, glory to God. And Yeah, I know all those words, you know. <laughs> I know all those words. And then run around the room and then toss my hat up in the air during summer camp or something like that. You know, I, I love that kind of stuff. But then I have to see, will it be a blessing or a burden to them? So then I have to, uh, we had a member in our church, incredible blessing to our church. But he had a very loud mouth. And all I had were people that time. And this was like, oh my God, how do I balance this, you know? But the Lord had to teach him that and he learned. Saying things that make people think wrongly of you. Sometimes you might be just saying things that you might think is normal, but the other person, they automatically thought wrongly of you. You have to be careful of that. That's why you have to be careful with what you say because they might get the bad, uh, wrong idea of you. A lot of times uh, pastors, uh, uh, pastors have gotten to a position where 
uh, members, I mean, you get tons of members, especially onliners. I mean, they just think the worst of you. They get the wrong idea of you. So a lot of times when I say something, I always have to like give a disclaimer or I have to explain myself. And I hate doing that. But you know what? Why? Because I don't want people to get the wrong impression of me. That's the price to pay when you're online, when you're a pastor of a church too. But you members have to be careful with what you say. You don't want people to get the wrong idea of you. Uh, you also have to, sometimes people talk about personal stuff, right? And personal things that actually you should keep to yourself. We don't want to know. Look, if you have a marijuana addiction, we don't want to know, okay? If you have some kind of sinful issue, we don't want to know. You don't need to say that with a bunch of five-year-olds around. Keep it to yourself. Why? Because then people are going to think wrongly of you. Why can't we just be honest? Isn't honest enough to say, I'm struggling with something and I need prayer, and it's something that I struggle that I feel so ashamed about, and please, I need prayer and help. Don't you think other people can sympathize with you on that one? Yeah, you know, because they're going through something too, all right? They're just not going through the same thing you're going through. But they're struggling with something that is different from you, but they just don't say it because if they told you, then you would go, what? All right? If, if, we, all were, if we all talked about our secret sins... Not a single person would come back to this church after this. Keep it personal stuff. You got to keep it to yourself. It's not wise. It's a careless tongue. Be careful with what you say. My eighth point is a crafty tongue. A crafty tongue. Romans chapter 3 verse 12 to 13 says, They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues of asp is under their lips you know those uh, serpents they're actually crafty and deceitful creatures that the bible labeled them as the bible labels serpents that way and because of that it's got that crafty tongue and then it uses so much dirty uh, it just use, uses deceit that tricks people into their side now uh, one thing is that you become who you are listen up now Whenever you use a lot of, a lot, some, pe- some of you, what I think is this, every single person is a smart person, can become a lawyer and get away with it. You might say, how so? Because usually when at the moment of trouble, you always have a good excuse. You have a way to justify yourself. You always have a good reason for how you do things. So everyone has that tongue. You're clever enough to think of the valid excuses the great arguments to justify yourself. Every single person has the craftiness to do that. And that's the thing that the Lord judges is that versus flattery, it is a deception that you make a person feel good, but over here, this is deception where you trick a person, where you trick a person. And if you're not careful... The more and more you talk that way, you become that way. People don't know this, but the more you lie, you're going to believe in your lies. You know that? There are people who lied about their age and their ID cards and et cetera or in their papers. And then later on they go, how old am I? Several years later, you know? Why? Because they believed in their lie. Be careful. 
When, whenever you act deceptive with people to get away with something, didn't you know you will soon believe it to be the truth and you're going to deceive yourself too? So as you spout out that crafty lying mouth of yours, you're going to deceive yourself even more. And guess what? You're going to build up greater punishment from the Lord. And guess what? When God sends that punishment, you won't even know why you deserve that punishment. Did you hear what I just said? You think you, do, you don't deserve the punishment from God. Why? Because you believed in your lie. Why? Because you spouted out that lie all that time, and then now you come to believe it. Here's a good example. For some of you who don't realize this, making excuses. Everyone has a great excuse not to do something for the Lord. Why they fall into sin. But see, you know what that is? That's just not honest. What's not honest is what? A lie. And see, what the more you give excuses, you believe it. I'm just too busy. I'm just too weak. I have a, uh, I'm a victim and I went through traumatic things in the household, and etc. That's why you come to believe in it. And you'll never overcome it. But you don't realize it's a lie. It's a lie. You got to believe that I can do all things through Christ. That God won't give you a burden greater than you can bear. That those are just simply excuses. You know what people do when they get in trouble? They blame other people. You know, and that's not an honest statement what you said. It's a lie. It's a dishonest statement what you blamed another person when you're the one in trouble. Lying to parents. Oh, very common. Children, no matter how young they are, they know how to lie to their parents. Clever, crafty. Be careful. Be sure your sin will find you out. You're going to believe your lie, especially when you become a teenager. And then you're going to believe your lies on what you say to your parents. To your lover, whoever your lover is, you're going to lie to them. Why? Because it's not just uh, child to parents. It's also husband to wife as well. And you better be careful with what you say. With that craftiness that you have to justify yourself, you're going to believe it. Friends too. How you justify yourself in front of your friends, you're going to believe it. Fellow Christians, same thing. And against your church leaders too. Oh, uh, what's going on? Why couldn't you come to church that day? Or you can overcome that sin problem? Or uh, why is there an argument going on in the church? Well, because, Pastor, blah, 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 and you believe it. But that statement of yours is not a true, 100% honest statement. My ninth point is a crying tongue, a crying tongue. Psalms chapter 139, verse 17 through 18 says... How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I, when I awake, I am still with thee. Now, that should be uh, a blessing is that, look, when you count how many great things the Lord has done in your life, there's so much to praise him for. God is more than too good to you if, because all you and I deserve is hell and worse than hell. God's been way more than good to you. But the problem with us is that instead of praising the Lord, we cry out to the Lord. It's a crying tongue. It's not a tongue that praises the Lord that's happy, but cries. Because, let's be honest, when one bad thing happens to you, or two or a few bad things happen to you, you cry about it. All the stinking time, that's your tongue. That's your tongue. The tongue cries about it. How can you cry about it when you have so much more that the Lord has blessed you with in comparison? Lord blessed you more than you can count, right? More than you can count. 
Psalms 139, if you don't believe me, I challenge you to count it now when you go back at home. And what's going to happen is when you count every good thing the Lord blessed you with, you're going to stop and you're going to forget. That's how much the Lord blessed you. What do you need to do? You need to replace that crying tongue of yours with a praising tongue. And saying, oh, woe is me, you should say, thank you, Lord. And what, the more that you find good things to enjoy in life that the Lord has given to you, the more your heart will change and be happy, not crying. I mean, did we make a big deal out of this so-and-so, you know, who complained about, you're cutting the line and blah, blah, blah. Shut up, man, you know. But we didn't cry about that. Why? We just had too much of a good time. Laser tag. They didn't schedule for us. You know, we cried. No, we just enjoyed a good time. Why? There's so much to praise the Lord for. Everyone pretty much said they had a great time. They didn't make a big deal about one or two idiotic things that happened. Why let one or two things control your life? There's too much to thank the Lord for. And then that's why you can have a happy church, have a happy home, have a happy individual personal life when you're by yourself. It's too much to thank the Lord. You complain too much. That's your problem. You pity party yourself too much. You get discouraged so easily quite often. You always worry about this bad thing, this bad thing happening. And you're always self-negative. You always say, I'm too wicked, I'm too dumb, I'm too stupid, I'm too messed up, and etc. Why not just praise the Lord of His grace and mercy that's made you every morning? And that He can give you strength and power to live fresh every day. You'll be happy after that. My last point, tenth point, is a concerning tongue. A concerning tongue. What do I mean by that? Anything that you say out of your mouth that becomes a concern to other people. And that covers pretty much everything, right? Ephesians 4.29, the Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I can't specifically give an example of, you know, what every person in this room says out of their mouth that can burden other people. But I can get you to think this one thought, okay? I don't know how I can talk in a way. Onlineers especially have that uh, struggle, which I can understand. That's why we started RBB Connect. That's why we have the moderators, to help you talk better and to understand what doesn't become a burden or a concern to other people. So we do this because of care and love, not because we're... We want to help you adapt and function how to do real-life, normal conversation with fellow Bible believers in a Bible-believing church. Because you've been online all by yourself all this time that you don't know how to talk right or how to function, talk normally with other Bible-believing Christians. So I know that it's a big struggle, and a lot of times it's hard to know how to talk or how to speak. But I think this will help you, all right, if you think this one thought. When you talk, do you notice how others feel uncomfortable around you? It's that simple. Did you ever notice or you don't pay attention, you just talk? See, you're a blah, 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 rather than shutting your mouth and stop to think and watch and being observant. That's your problem. That's why you don't catch it. So when you talk, do you notice how others feel uncomfortable, the way that they talk back to you or react to you? Is there a little bit of an uncomfortable air? See, then you can tell. 
then you can tell that, hey, the way I'm talking, I gotta, that's being a concern to other people. I got to fix that. You don't think of using your mouth to edify others. That's the number one key. The number one key is what can I say that edifies the people, not concerns the people. What makes it a blessing to them? Well, I thought, uh, well, I said something and I thought it would be a blessing to others, but they don't take it that way. See, that's your problem. You think what's a blessing to you that would be a blessing to others, not what is truly a blessing to others. That's your problem. That's how you edify others, thinking what is a blessing to them. Even spiritual things that you talk about, they're so-called spiritual. They're not really spiritual. It actually becomes a burden to people. So what do you do? Just shut up. Just shut up and don't say it. The only exception is unless the spiritual thing has to be said. What I mean has to be said. There's sin in the camp. There's correction that needs to be made. Uh, When I have to preach from the pulpit, that has to be done. When you have to witness to your lost loved ones and family members. As a matter of fact, if you were to carefully ponder every word you said with how people and God, how they would react to it, then it's gonna, you're going to shut up about every sin that comes out of your mouth. You know that? Just think about how other people react to it, how God reacts to it. And then what's going to happen is you will be able to effectively shut up more and think about what you say more and the other people's reactions, God's reactions, before you even open that fleshly mouth of yours. And that's what you need to do. You need to think about, it's that simple. Just think about how are others reacting to it and how is my Lord reacting to it. Would you think about that today? And then maybe you can think, contemplate and see which sins to get right with the Lord. Every head bow and every eye shut. Uh, there's no altar call because there's no space here. Just pray in your seat. Just pray in your seats. Just pray in your seats. Uh, has the Lord dealt with your heart? And there's those sins of the tongue that you have to check and see. I mean, how are other people reacting to it with things that you said? Well, I know some people felt uncomfortable when I said about this. Then you need to inspect it, right? You need to inspect why. Is it because it's foolish? Is it because it's being a burden? Is it because I'm, being, I'm bragging about myself? Is it because it's carnal, it's not really spiritual? Is it because I'm criticizing the person? So you think about that. How, how would God react to what, to what you say? You'd fix that tongue more. The thing is this, my friend, is that you can get all sins right with the Lord, but it's not going to amount to anything if you're lost. If you are not saved, I would like to ask you this question. If you were to die right now, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? Are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? You might say, Pastor, I am not sure. And my friend, if you're not sure, it's so important that you get saved now because it doesn't matter how many sins you fix in your life, you're going to still burn in hell. You might say, why is that, preacher? Because let's be honest, even if you attempt to fix every sin in your life, you're not going to be sinless. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to mess up down along the road somewhere. You're a sinner. That's step number one. Step number one is to realize you can't go to heaven because of your sin. You're going to burn in hell forever. So you might say, well then, pastor, how do I go to heaven? How do I get saved from hell? 
How do I get rid of all my sins? You can't. So many people think, I live my life as a Christian. I repent of all my sins. I go to church. I get baptized. I believe in Jesus. I'm a follower of him. I live by the golden rule. My friend, you can't get rid of all your sin no matter how hard you try. You're not a perfect person. Only Jesus can get rid of your sins, which is why Jesus, who is God, left heaven, came down here on earth, died on the cross, buried and resurrected, so his blood can wash away all your sin. Ah, that's how you get rid of all your sins. It's only by what Jesus did on the cross. His blood washes literally every single sin you've done. Every sin you've done. Only he can get rid of your sins. You might say, well, I believe that, Pastor. Okay, but what do I do? What do I do with it? Step number three. Step number three. What do I do? All you have to do is say that to the Lord. That's it. Saying to the Lord that you repent as a sinner and you only rely, you only believe what Jesus did on the cross to save you. Isn't that very easy? It's that simple. It's nothing what you do, what you have to work for. It's what he did for you. You might say, well, pastor, I want to say it to the Lord. Can you help me out? Sure, I can help you say it to the Lord. I'll give you the words on how to say it. You can repeat after me. But remember this, repeating words in a prayer do not save you. It will never save you. It's believing what Jesus did on the cross to get rid of your sin, trusting only in that. I'm just giving you the words on how to say it, that's all. Uh, This is totally private, confidential. Don't feel embarrassed. Every head is bowed and every eye is shut. And you don't have to repeat after me out loud. You can just say it to yourself, okay? It's totally confidential. I don't want you walk out of this room without Christ and then you die and burn in hell. That is the last thing I want in your life. I want to make sure everyone in this room is saved. We want to give you that chance and freedom. If you're ready, you can say it this way silently to yourself. You can say, Dear God, I repent as a sinner. I believe Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected so his blood can wash away my sin. I only trust in that alone to save me, not my good works. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes just one last time, please, just one last time. We're done. We're wrapping it up. Thank you for your patience. Just one last time. I'm wrapping it up now. We're going to finish. I just want to make sure, is, uh, there any, is there anybody in this room who just repeated that prayer after me and got saved? If you can just slip up your hand real briefly, real quick, and no one knows who you are. Every head is bowed and every eye shut. I'm not pointing you out. People online don't know who you are. Could you slip up your hand real briefly, real quick? Did anyone just get saved right now? That way I can thank the Lord for you. Is anyone saved? Did anyone just do that? Okay, thank you so much for your honesty. Thank you so much for your honesty. I trust that every person is 100% saved and going to heaven. Let's close with the word of prayer. God, my Father, thank you so much that people here have trusted in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation. And I pray that uh, if there's anyone online or even in this world who is not saved, that you will please save their soul from hell, make them see their need of Christ, 
And I pray that the sins of the tongue will be repented of, will be fixed, so that we can have a conversation that pleases you and edifies others for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You all have a wonderful day.